We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... For another edition of Thank God It's Friday, I'm Richard Glover. Please welcome our panellists, Tommy Dean, Wendy Harmer and Ange LaVoie-Pierre. With the music, it's the song and dance man himself, the great Mike McClellan. And our audience this week drawn from Katoomba, 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 Blackheath and Katoomba. Uh, But first, as always, here is the news from nowhere. They say... Men think about sex every 12 seconds. More when awake. (laughs) But the Australian male is equally fascinated with the subject of garbage. In particular, the thrill that comes from getting rid of it without ordering a skip or visiting a tip. This requires planning, patience, ingenuity and the occasional use of your neighbour's bin. (laughs) There is always a male garbage brain that is whirring and buzzing. In our street, garbage collection happens on a Friday. I build my whole week around it. By Monday morning, I've already put last night's prawn shells into the freezer, ready to be pulled out on Thursday night. Tuesday, I take three dodgy oranges and put them in the compost, sidestepping my wife, Jocasta, who alleges the oranges look okay to her. Maybe she's right, but I've learnt to deal firmly with fruit at the first sign of trouble. (laughs) Wednesday, I throw a small piece of concrete rubble into the very bottom of the main bin. Now, building... The local member is here. Building waste is not allowed, I understand that, but since I'm disposing of my side path in weekly consignments (laughs) of 500 grams... Spread over three and a half years, I don't think anyone will notice. By Thursday morning, the week is really taking shape. All the vegetable scraps have been placed in the worm farm together with the vegetables from the fridge, all of which I have judged to be wilting. Again, I have to sidestep Jocasta, who follows me to the compost, shouting, It's a sickness! There's nothing wrong with those zucchinis! You really should get help! Then, O choir of angels, it's ten o'clock on Thursday night. I empty the waste paper bin and load the contents into the worm farm. This is to prevent identity fraud, even though the only things in the bin are Jocasta's poorly completed newspaper crosswords. (laughs) Then I remove the bag from the kitchen tidy. Bang! It goes into the red bin. Lots of space left. I really am the king of garbage. (laughs) Next... A flutter of excitement. That's right, I forgot the prawn heads. Back to the kitchen, then out to the street with a frozen lump before trundling the two bins into the street, yellow and red, big and small, standing side by side like ill-matched shoulders, shoulders, uh, soldiers. What a glorious sight. Is there any rubbish at all left in the home? Not a skerrick. Some religions have purification rituals. This is mine. I feel... So good. Uh, 
My only problem is the bin sometimes feels too empty. Have I not been assiduous enough in the task of rubbish removal? Might I be kicking myself on Saturday when I realise I forgot that broken electric kettle or moth-eaten rug? It's now 10.30 on Thursday night. I'm a man with a half-empty bin outside his house. I prowl around my wife's office. Are you sure you need this? I ask her, (laughs) pointing to the objects on her desk in turn. She makes some sort of flimsy excuse for each. That's my late father's wristwatch, for instance. <laughs> or that was given to me my, my, by my mother upon the birth of our first child. That sort of thing. Leaving me defeated. I'm forced to look elsewhere. I'm happy for the bin to be half empty, but only if our house is truly rubbish-free. What a tragedy, for example, if you took out the bins, then remembered a final item, only to find some neighbour had made use... Of your spare capacity. Yes, the worst of the worst. A bin fidel. And Osama bin loader. Better, I think, to stand guard. I casually lean against a lamppost near the bins. Jocasta stands at the front door, pulling her coat tight against the cold. It's 11 o'clock, she says. I think you should come inside. Soon, I say. By midnight, the danger will have passed. She looks down at me, her face softening. What if I found you some more rubbish? Then you could fill up your bin and we could go to bed. Jocasta potters around the house and emerges with a handful of polystyrene packaging, a a cracked vase and some rusty bulldog clips. I add them to the bin. Dropped in loosely, they do a good job of filling it up. I go to bed happy... Lying there, I allow myself a small smile of satisfaction. At long last, Jocasta is starting to understand the way garbage is at the centre of life. (laughs) Well, of my life anyway. And that's the news from nowhere. (laughs) Uh, Can I I just... Because I, I, a few early rela- a few reactions to my book have all been my husband's just... Who's got a husband like that? <laughs> yeah, OK. Well, uh, it's... well mine, uh, Richard, is uh, nothing is to be put in the bin that can't be stored on our own property. Let me put it that way. <laughs> there is always more room in the garage. There is always more room in a cupboard somewhere... He has an absolutely pathological hatred of, of, of landfill. Uh-huh. So, so our home have... is landfill, is what's happened. So you can choose your husband. You either have the hoarder husband or the whirring garbage brain. You can't have, you can't have normal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is... It, I th- is it because... No, I'm not going to advance any theories here at all. I'm getting yeah. in trouble. What do you but... reckon, Ange? I I am uh, I'm trying to dispel my hoarding tendencies and I moved house uh, on the weekend and I am a bin fidel. <gasps> I have been absolutely punishing the bins in, in the street <laughs> out the back, in the lane out the yeah. back in Redford. But luckily you were moving suburbs so you could get away with it. You nah, see, this was the new house. You so see, really, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you see, my husband is the type of person who would come out and go through the bins and take all the crap out of there. He <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't be in there and he'd bring him back to my place. I'll give him my address after yeah. this. I've thrown you out know, so much I stuff. absolutely think that if, 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 if we put out, a, say, a spare set of um, um, lawnmower wheels and we tag them, you know, like they do, like tag birds and things, at about two years, they'd be back at our place. <laughs> there are men all over who are just like, they're on the case, which is Let's check out of it. Oh, sorry, my favourite was uh, when we first uh, moved in, um, you know, when you move into a new place, you have all the boxes. So we put all the boxes into the recycled bin, and I had my young daughter, who was like six at the time, and then to make it all go down, I'd put her up on top, and... <laughs> And like a wine press, she would squish, squish, squish. And so she had squished it all down, and she's sort of leaning with her hands on the bin edge, waiting for the next load to come in. And at this point, the council ranger had happened to drive by. And he just stopped and looked for a second. He rolled the window down, and he said, uh, if the lid doesn't shut, we won't take it. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, protein should go in the red bin, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, let's check you up with this week's news. Who has turned down the volume on Shank's Pony? I love this story so much. And, um, and I did not know what Shank's Pony meant. I, well, can you enlighten... Shank's Pony is walking. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. like your Shanks, you know, yeah. they're your Shanks. Your Shanks are your pony. Yeah, but yeah, Don't pretend pony. it makes sense. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> anyway, so what's happened is the young kids on TikTok have decided to go for a walk. This is going to stun the people here. They've decided to go for a walk without their phones or their music or their podcast or any other type of technological distraction. And I think I love this. This is one quote. Uh, you know, a universe and your tuition comes to you through whispers. <laughs> and if you take all off your technology, you can hear it coming. I think I saw a panel on this at South by Southwest earlier today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. And what do they call it, Wendy? Well, they call it um, like silent walking. <laughs> now, or, hopefully... Or, or as we used to call it, Walking. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully, Richard, if they are silent walking and they're hearing whispers and paying attention to them, that a few of them are going to be saying, watch out for that bus. <laughs> or there's a heavy breathing weirdo with an axe behind that hedge on the left. You know. <laughs> what if they... I mean, I feel we should relate this to where we are, the beautiful Carrington Hotel in the Blue Mountains. Do you yeah. think if they brought this new trend of... Of, of silent walking to the natural world and walk through the through the bush, say, without headphones on. What, that would be if, really anxious if, making. If, I don't know if I could do if that. I, if, if, if only we had a Angela, name. If only we, she, she's if, laughing at me. You know exactly I have got that voice down. You know it, don't you? I'm trying to work out exactly who it is. I'm, I, don't, I do know that I know that person, and yeah, this, the resem- yes, you, you've nailed it. Um, but look, I, I, have, I have mixed feelings about this because I do rather like feel. Because how good is it when you've got you know, headphones on and you're walking through the street and you're like, cool, I'm in a movie. <laughs> and that's a fun feeling. But then also, 
when you don't. And the movie's called I Just, I Just Got Hit by a Bus. <laughs> yeah, it's a sad movie, but it's still a movie, all right? Yeah. But I and to be to... fair, to be fair, if you were just about to get hit by a bus, would you want to be listening to your favorite song or <laughs> beep, beep, yeah, beep? That is a very good point. That is a great point, Tommy. Great point. The, the, the thing that I, um, you know, I, I try to, the, every time I take the headphones out and do a little bit of silent walking, um, what I most enjoy remembering is how much fun it is to eavesdrop on other people. Yes. If you would ever want to miss out on that, I was sitting in the salon the other day, uh, the nail salon, and I overheard uh, someone say, I think, I just don't appreciate, and then there was this pause, and she was trying to remember the word, and then she said, art. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have missed that for all the tea yeah. in China. That was fantastic. But also, I think uh, if we use our natural surrounds here as the template, mm-hmm. uh, I think we are a little bit uh, beyond reality by suggesting that is silent walking. Uh, this is Australia. Australia has the noisiest nature <laughs> in all of the world. I think if you really wanted to go silent walking, you would put headphones on noise-canceling headphones <laughs> with no input mm. instead of just constantly listening to... <laughs> the sound of rescue. The sound of rescue helicopters <laughs> looking for lost <laughs> bushwalkers. <laughs> we know, we know, we know, we know. Wendy is on foley for the remainder of the hour. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, look. You wonder what Gen Z is going to discover next, don't you? Um, <laughs> eating a meal at a restaurant without posting a photo of before, uh, you know, first. That'll be a revolution. But Wendy, what? did it happen if you didn't post? Oh uh, well, the photo? that's it. You see. Reading a book, you know, those things with pages. How many of you here, and I know we have a lot of grandparents here, how many of you have been reading Possum Magic and watched the toddler swipe left and right (laughs) on the page? Hands up. Yeah, right, okay. A few hands in the room. All right, there's a bit of that going on. Or maybe it'll be about going to a concert and actually watching it instead of with your own actual eyes, instead of holding up this phone and watching it through your phone. Look, I am... I'm not going to diss. No, um, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to let you No, because I'm not going to diss this generation, though, because without my 23-year-old daughter teaching me how to navigate all the the features on my smartphone, I'd be walking around with a very expensive rock in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that true? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing that I would say, you know, when you're like, you know, they should read a book. Well, so the thing is, book talk... As in the corner of TikTok yeah, right. that is yeah, right. that is um, very book obsessed is so um, I guess well patronised you could say pervasive. that it is pervasive. Thank you. That it is fueling a resurgence in hard copy book sales. It is a real measurable but impact. Are they so right reading them? It? But Ange, are they actually reading them? Yes. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I guess we've got to, maybe we'll, I'll have to go and ask them individually. But um, look, they're buying them. And isn't that good for, for all yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway? So look, anyway, it's not, it's not totally, I think there is like a bit of a, oh gosh, this is such a serious point to make on a Friday afternoon. But I think there is, a, you know, there, and maybe it comes from a weird place, but it's like, uh, oh, 
how retro, how novel. Uh, wow. You know, this, whether it's vinyl or whether it's like a, you know, a ticking watch or whether it's a... this is going for a walk down the street. Uh, look. Or, you know, through a park. With, and how novel, you know? How if, novel. They went, uh, if they went uh, walking in nature around here, do you think it would be called walking bush? I mean, there must be a name for it. That's all. I just think if only if if only we could find if only we could find a name for it. If only it could be a real trend. Just got to come up with something. Uh, now, which uh, troubled fruit could have the theme song "Just the Two of Us"? Which troubled fruit? Look, we are talking here about the pear. Uh, the pear, as I call it, is the pedestrian of the still life. <laughs> Yeah, the story is that they've ripped up 10% of the pear trees in Australia because we're not buying pears anymore. Well, no, that is not entirely true. We are ripping up a lot of pear trees because Christmas is coming and it's what you put the partridge in. <laughs> and there's a shortage of partridges. A shortage of partridges. But I think 10% is not... I, don't, I do not want to tear down the pear industry. Uh, but the reality is uh, it is the least of the fruits. <laughs> wow. No, it offers nothing. There, there is no, nobody tells a story about the moment that they bit into the perfect pear. Everybody has a story about a summer peach or a morning strawberry or a glistening <laughs> apple. Nobody's ever like, pear? Oh, my God. I just had the best sort of textured kind of I'm sweet. I'm sure I've heard someone say that's a lovely pear. pear. Well, you know, Richard. No. You know what the pear might- is? You make. The, I'm going to get to this in a moment. The pear, the pear is the falcon bridge of the fruit world. Oh, oh, shots fired! Shots fired! No. Perfectly fine. If you're there, Tommy's sure. Need a but nobody goes there on the purpose. <laughs> nobody. I'm holding up a copy of Richard Glover's new book, Best Wishes, and it doesn't have a picture of a pear on it. No. No, it does not. Nobody even thought to put it to him to put a pear on it. You know, the only I reason mean... a pear is in still life paintings is to make the other fruit look good. <laughs> it, it has There's a reason that no other fruit has, oh, it's trouble. Why is it trouble? Looks like things have gone pear-shaped. <laughs> Actually, you know what? This is interesting. Um, in Chinese folklore tradition, apparently on New Year's, you give fruit. The one fruit you don't give is pears. Yeah, of course not. Nobody likes them. No, <laughs> because they symbolise saying goodbye, apparently. I think the reason that pears aren't as popular as they used to be is that there aren't as many uh, fruiterers. And there aren't... You remember Com the fruiterer in the comic? Ah, beautiful. What a beautiful pear. You know, a couple of days, beautiful. You haven't got... It's, we're too PC now. You can't go in a greengrocer and some old guy goes, what a beautiful pear you got on your there. You know, so I think that's part of it. But also... <laughs> I think exactly. But, 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 but also, inspires sexism. We miss it. Yeah, but also... We miss it so much. Well, it's too political. It's gone woke. We've gone woke. The pear's gone, you know. The, the, yeah, no, the that's thing, definitely it. It is. Yeah. But they're also the thing is about the pear... You don't get them ripe in the supermarket, right? So you've got everyone's not. You've got to bring them home. Now you either put them on the kitchen bench or you put them in the crisper. You've got to hit that baby exactly on the right day 
Otherwise, you've got a crisper full of compost or you've got a kitchen full of fruit flies. I just wish... I, I could make I use of that wish. compost. <laughs> I just want to say one more thing, Ange. When the pear is at its most beautiful and bountiful and juiceful and gorgeousness, the only place you could eat it is in the nude in the bath. <laughs> Because and, you get covered in, you know, you've got they, a beautiful when, pair, you know. Wendy, is that why they had shared bathrooms in the Carrington Hotel in it? <laughs> yeah. Could have been. Yeah. Prime. Could have been. No, it's a law for a reason that that's where you have to eat the pear. I mean, my gripe with the pear is that it's too, uh, it, it's too delicate. It doesn't travel well. If I put it in my bag, the pear is in the bag and the bag smells like pear for the next year because I'm not washing my bags. <laughs> I'm not doing it. And so it's got the same, same problem, same problem as a nectarine, same problem as a peach. I'm not, I'm not buying fruit that's not coming on the road for oh, me. Oh, for but, God's sake. <laughs> Have you heard of a lunch? Box woman, how old are you? It no, doesn't peel well, it doesn't cut well, the core is off center, it is a stupid fruit. <laughs> the only thing, I swear, the only thing that aspires to be a pear is a choco. <laughs> Them fighting words on Thank God It's Friday. Thank God It's Friday with Richard Glover. Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean, Angela Lovewell, Pierre, I've been contacted by some uh, locals of Falkenbridge here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Apparently they're waiting for you out the front, Tommy. Yeah. I, 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 they're on the wrong side of the highway. They're on the wrong side. <laughs> Let's uh, take a last question from this week's news. Who no longer wants to take politics lying down? Well, this is about this whole truth in uh, uh, politics. Truth uh, in political advertising. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Which and is nine, a lie. <laughs> nine out of ten Australians want to see it. But there are a lot of misgivings about it, really. I mean, you know, um, I guess when it comes to statistics... Uh, you can judge whether a political advertisement is is uh, truthful or not. But what about the slogans? We'll put people first. A plan for a strong new economy. A new way for Australia's future. Choose real... These are all real slogans. Mm, yeah. Choose real change. Uh, let's move Australia forward. I mean, you might as well try and fact-check things go better with Coke. You can't... <laughs> Fact check those. I mean, and and I don't know whether did we ever believe any of those slogans when we voted? Did we? No, of course we didn't. What about a realistic slogan? Something like, "Elect me for a few years so I can build my CV for a job after this with a multinational mining company." <laughs> True. True. <laughs> tick, tick. I want to know who the one person is. It's such a. It's. It seems so straightforward. It's like. Truth in political advertising, and you know, everyone goes like, "Yeah, that sounds like a great idea." And you know, but but, but then who's the one person who's like, "Nah, don't want to see." The one like, out maybe of ten. Pol politicians. Yeah, yeah. Pol I guess that's the political class in Australia <laughs> who was surveyed as yeah. part of that research. But yeah, I don't understand how it's not a rule. I think I f when I first found yeah. that out, I just went like, yeah. "Are we?" Because you are can't. We, I mean, what? Wendy mentioned Coke. You can't say you can say Coke is delicious, which it's not. Um, but you can't say Coke will make you live forever. And yet you can make because it's it's a commercial product. There are laws around these things. Mm. Those same laws aren't about pol political advertising. Yeah, even though that you know you can argue the consequences are much more serious. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's it's. I wild. mean, you know, if there was a photograph with uh, Peter Dutton and it said this man has hair, you go, well, that is not true, palpably. But you could say it. But, you could, you, but, you know, but you, see, that's why I think it spins, is because the, the statement, Peter Dutton has hair, doesn't suggest on his head. He probably has... 
No, he probably um, has a bag of it from all of the weird things that he collects. I will in never... In the back. I mean, that's what politics well, I think, always you, does. Curse with the ability to visualise. Well, I think we, we argued... Uh, you know, if you listen to ads, you, I, there's like eight different fast train tracks to Canberra right now. <laughs> right now. That's been a track that's been being built since I arrived here in 1992. <laughs> they've talked about it, they've promised it, they financed it, they bought the houses. I can't believe I'm not in Canberra. <laughs> Going so fast, I can just go there, get a coffee, come back for the next question. <laughs> that's how fast it is. I, I think I, the way they yes, get away yes. with lying is by lying to the potential future. And I think that's the greatest lie of all. Well, you see, here's the interesting thing. is that, yeah, I think that if we want to fact check, it's almost retrospective, isn't it? You know, you, you look at the politician says, a better future, a stronger Australia, and then about, you know, three years later, they go, yeah, nah. <laughs> so it'd be almost like worth publishing. They lied about it at the time, and so, yeah, don't fall. The retrospective again. lie yeah, of yeah, political yeah. advertising. We have Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean and Angela Love up here. We are live from the beautiful, historic Carrington Hotel in Katoomba in this amazingly lush room, which seems to be somewhere between a sort of medieval castle, a Turkish Ottoman Sybaritic <laughs> uh, 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 emperor's bathhouse, and, a, Richard, and Queen Victoria. Richard, you've it down. Your grandma and grandpa used to come here on holidays. They weren't. <laughs> they're surely coming up here for some kind of Sybaritic weird they, naughty weekend. We also they? have Mike McClellan, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Mike, I, I failed completely to, descri to describe the glories of this room, but maybe you can do better. The thing I love about these sorts of places is that when they've been restored, it returns the atmosphere that was there right from the very beginning. And far too many of our lovely old buildings, and I've just played a couple of concerts in small halls that have been restored, and all of a sudden they come back to life. Mm. Whereas if you tear them down and put up something new, you walk in and you go, oh, yeah, it's new. But you walk into something that's been restored like this and you think, ah, this was done right. I mean, isn't it beautiful? It's just oh, it's beautiful. Gorgeous. To, it's gorgeous. Beautiful yeah. to be here. Yeah. Tell, it's a writer's festival. T talk to us about songwriting. You've been having, uh, you've had, I think your first number one hit was in 1969. You've been <laughs> writing songs all through that period. They just keep on, to me, they keep on getting better and better. How, how, does, how does that magic happen? Does it happen when you're under the shower or walking along the beach or sitting at a computer or what? Um, it happens or in a number... silent walking? <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does occasionally on the beach, Wendy. Yeah, um, okay. But f I think for most writers, it's it's a steady process of refining what's going on in your head until you can actually sit down and start to put it into words. I find that um, I'm never short of ideas for songs. Never. I've always got something buzzing around. And ever since I was a kid, I would walk around with music in my head. I didn't need a pair of earbuds. Um, Hang on. Did, and I was, did, you, did you discover silent walking? <laughs> <laughs> we should tell TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. But it was always something that came so naturally to me to create melodies in my head. And then the process of putting words to it was a product of the fact that I also loved words. So for me, there was a logical process to become a songwriter. I still, I still write for pleasure, for in other forms, but songwriting is 
Unf- uh, like a lot of things, of course, it's all about hard work too, as you probably know yourself. When you sit down to write something, you spend a lot of time editing and taking things out rather than filling it up. Mm-hmm. And, and the art of a good song is to create just enough words to convey what it is that you want to say without overloading the words and making the images, A, too difficult to comprehend as the song progresses, or B, so simple that it doesn't emotionally move you in any way. You've written some songs that you know, continue to move Australians. Uh, do, you know, do you know those songs, the ones that are really going to kind of entrance audiences for, for, for a generation or two? Do you know those the minute you write them, or are you sometimes surprised by which ones the audience responds to and which ones they, they, you know, they could, they could uh, take or leave? Um, you don't know when you finish a song, or at least I don't. Um, but the other thing about songwriting, of course, is that as a writer, I write initially for myself. I've, I've never been a writer that could sit down and say, OK, I've got to write a hit today, and this is what I'm going to write about, and this is what it should sound like, this is what the contemporary environment says it should sound like, so I'll do that. That's never been what's driven me as a songwriter. What's driven me has almost invariably been things that have emotionally had an impact on me in one way or another so that I felt a need to try and either explain it or find a way to find some truth in something that had made a real impression on me. Mike McClellan is here in this beautiful Carrington Hotel as part of the Blue Mountains Riders Festival for Thank God It's Friday. His new album is called Behind Every Mask. He's playing this Friday at Dungog. If you're listening in Dungog, go and see him. For Sydney listeners, on Sunday at the Petersham Bowling Club and then uh, for people in in Tamworth, in New England, December 2 at Tamworth. What are you going to play for us? I was going to play one of the new songs, but then when I walked into this gorgeous old hotel it suddenly occurred to me that this was the place where, when it was first built, there would have been dancing, there would have been a ballroom, there would have been a band. So I'm going to go back to a song that is one of my earliest songs, in fact, a song called Saturday Dance, and it seems so appropriate for this Uh song. Saturday Dance in the ballroom of the Carrington Hotel, live on Thank God It's Friday. Mike McClellan, ladies and gentlemen, the most perfect song in the most perfect place. Sorry, um, thank you, Richard. Oh, that was beautiful, Mike, but uh, just uh, can I uh, cast you back to the first verse? Are you saying that dinner wasn't served until 10? <laughs> Supper. Supper was at 10. Supper was at 10. Was that, was that normal then, was to have... Like, it seems awful late, is what I'm getting at. It just feels like, like we should be well into the dancing by 10. And I'm just curious how it used to be you're, different. You're saying then. no wonder she went off with another Well, bloke. yeah. <laughs> it just feels like a lot of the late night dancing would have been like acid reflux. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm granted, I'm not focusing on the theme of the song, but... That depends how old you are. Do you know, you know, you know Tommy, that I... Uh, 
I grew up at these country dances, yeah, I know. Mike. Yeah, I know. Um, where you would get there at about sort of seven o'clock, and the hall, a wooden hall, and they would have put sawdust down and then swept it away so it was as slippery as an ice rink. And all the boys lined up, and the cow cockies and the farmers' labourers lined up one side, and all the women, you know, the mums and wives and young women lined up the other. And there would be a band, Taylor's Orchestra, for, you know, mum and dad and their two sons, all in bow ties, and they would put up a sign on the stage every time there was a dance, and they would announce, ladies and gentlemen, the Bon Ton Police. And then everyone would get up and, and dance to this Taylor's Orchestra, which did the rounds of country Victoria. So these dances, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like 15, and I am, I can't find anyone that I want to be with. All the boys I want to be with are out the back of the tennis sheds smoking <laughs> and drinking, but I'm too scared to go out there. But these dances to me are absolutely so vivid to me. So thank you for singing that beautiful song. It brought so much back to me. Probably because, Wendy, you were starving. <laughs> Because dinner wasn't even until supper, 10 supper, o'clock at supper, night. Supper, supper, You got the cow cockies and the farmer's wives. The farmer's wives had made the cakes, the scones, and the farmers, the farmers, the cow cockies had bought the cream. And the, It's supper. I know what supper You've is. You've had tea. No, I come You've from... had tea already. You've had your tea. You've arrived. You've had a bit of a fling around the hall. Then you're having your supper. You get it? Sorry, what's no, the, the, the process of acclimatising Tommy Sorry. to Australian life has now been going on for 20 years and he's not improving. <laughs> difficult to understand. Is, is supper scones? Is that what you're telling me? No, it's not. Oh, for God's sake. I don't know. It's just a bit of stuff that you have after you've had so your it, tea. So it can be scones. Isn't it? Can it be scones? It can be scones. It could be there pancakes. It could be a... It could be a sausage roll. It could be any damn so thing you want. So you're saying this was what? the birth of food trucks? Oh. <laughs> yes, out the back with the urn. Yeah. With the urn, yeah. am I right? Can I just have a show of hands here? Who, ladies amongst us, can just tell these people what is supper? Just stand up, would you please? Put your hands up. You know, please. any decent woman of a certain age knows <laughs> what a supper in a hall looks like. And ladies and gentlemen, despite the best efforts of, of our panel, can you please remember that beautiful song from five minutes ago and thank Mike McClellan. Check out Mike's uh, website for more about Behind oh, Every Mask. I also mask. wanted to ask, I heard to interrupt again, but based on the earlier oh. statement you made about how the secret to songwriting is brevity, would you suggest that the perfect song is tequila? <laughs> no. <Right. laughs> Please thank Mike McClellan. <laughs> thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. And if you're listening from Dungog, go and see Mike. Uh, your town Friday in a week's time, then Petersham Bowling Club in Sydney on Sunday and December 2 in Tamworth. We have Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean and Ange Lavoie, Pierre. And can I say, Wendy's got a new book out. Not quite yet in about a week's time. Here's a little sneak peek for our audience here. Yeah, and, and in yes. it, the Bon Ton is mentioned. <laughs> For anyone who knows the bon ton, the quick step, the waltz. It's not in the know, index. Uh, the, progressive, <laughs> the progressive barn dance. Now there, I tell you what, girls, I tell you what, don't you, you know, develop a bit of a quick step to get away from the sweaty, hand, sweaty yeah. hands. 
Actually, there's in a, the progressive barn dance. Yeah. There's a picture of that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> anyway, in a, in a week or two's time, oh, thanks, uh, Wendy Hummers, Lies My Mirror told me, uh, it's a memoir of her life. Yeah, um, and Yeah, out soon. Now, um, let's ask a literary question, right. since we're here as a part of a literary festival. What were the books in your parents' house which proved a reliable guide to their character? Tommy Dean. The phone book. Like it, it, it you, I mean, it, I mean, because for one, uh, that was the internet of the time. Uh, they needed it for all the services that they would call in for the various things that had to be done around the house. Uh, it also was the booster seat um, for the, all the children. Um, you know, like I would sit on the white pages, my brother would get the yellow pages, and then when my youngest brothers were born, uh, sometimes it was white pages plus the pink pages pamphlet, <laughs> just to get them high enough to the table. Uh, if you were to, say, get on the wrong side of my mother, uh, the pink pages could also be brought to bear. <laughs> uh, in such a way that you were not excited about calling government services at all. <laughs> I don't know if pink pages were different here. Pink pages were government services yeah. uh, in our work. Uh, they, but, uh, also... they famously left no mark if used as a word. No, no mark, that's what I mean. <laughs> Souls of the feet, Richard. So I many, just want to so many, uh, so many good things. Uh-huh. Uh, the, other one, the other one was, uh, of course, the family Bible. Uh, which, uh, oddly, was exactly the right height to get me to the kitchen table, but never allowed to sit on. <laughs> I don't know why. And but also, you weren't allowed to read it. You were never allowed to read the family Bible. No. You were only allowed to open it up where all the family would sign it. It was like an like a ancestry recording. Oh, wow. And then the rest of the book, no, 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 the pages are too, too, too thin. <laughs> I was curious, but those are the two big books in our household. What, what about your household, Ange? My parents seem to own nothing but books about uh, the Holocaust <laughs> and World War II and Nazis and Hitler, and that was ma- and those were all our dinner conversations. Every single dinner. Where conversation. Where did they work? SBS. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, maybe, maybe secretly, I suppose. No, my mum uh, was a school teacher. My father was a, a civil engineer at the local council in, in Bathurst before that Forbes. So tell us about the Lavoie Pierre, because he's oh, such a fabulous name. Thank what's, you what's so the, much. Uh, well, um, uh, it's for via Mauritius. My father was from Zimbabwe. Um, so, yeah, a long way back, I suppose, we were French, certainly not Japanese. Um, Lavoie Pierre is. It's the Frenchest name I've ever heard. Um, And I've mispronounced it so many times on air, I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's the name. But, yeah, my my parents had a a deep and abiding uh, obsession with the whole... I think they're, uh, they're against it. (laughs) That tells tells me a little about their character Yeah, we can applaud that, we can all get on board with that The world's so polarised these days But we can agree on that Uh, So yeah, look uh, that was. I I honestly don't remember them owning anything else And still to this day Occasionally my father will stray off the World War II path And read something about the SAS And (laughs) that's very exciting for him That's that's the equivalent of a holiday, I think Um, And I happen to know they're listening today So mum, dad, I'm very sorry Sorry for throwing you under uh, this bus, but uh, but it's true. It's true. All the books were called the World at War, at World of War, the but War that Changed. Us. They're terrible names, and they were all named the same. But thing. how did that affect you as a kid? Do you think? I, don't, I think I turned out fine. 
<laughs> we'll be the judge we'll of that. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> what about your place? Sir, oh, Wendy? well, you know, my dad was a headmaster and a school teacher for 40 years, so he didn't really read a lot of, you know, novels or anything like that. He loved his encyclopedias. And who here can still spell encyclopedia because of the Mickey Mouse Club and Jiminy Cricket? <laughs> and encyclopedia. E-N-C-Y-C-L-O-P-E-D-I-A. <laughs> that is how old I am. Anyway, my dad, he just loved encyclopedias, right? So he had the, but he had Grolier annuals and he had, you know, the Oxford, and he had, you know, bookcases full of these encyclopedias. So you would ask him anything and he'd say, well, I think you should go and look it up. You know, he was the original Mr. Google. Now, I'm going to tell you a thing that my father used to do to me, which is cruel and unusual punishment. So, sometimes I would, I, there was a few years there where I, where I was in my dad's class, right? And he would say You're to You're in all, your dad's class? Because that's oh, yeah. not done anymore, is it? Oh, that was torture, Richard. It was not good. Yeah, I was in my dad's class for a few years there. The whole, all the other kids in the school would go, Good morning, Mr. Brown. And i go, Good day, Dad. <laughs> you know. Have a bit of a moment. Anyway, so Dad used to post this thing where he would ask all the kids in the class, he said, I want you to go home and ask your parents a question. Now, it might be something like, what was the name of the first animal that went into space? Now, as we all know, that is um, the dog on the uh, Sputnik 2 in 1957. Okay, whatever. So the idea was you'd go home and you'd ask your parents and Dad said, well, when you come back tomorrow morning, I'm going to ask you what the answer is, this being a bonding thing for him. So I would go home and I would say to Dad, okay, what is the answer to that, Dad? And he'd go, well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm your, I'm your teacher. And he'd go, go and look it up. And I'd go, oh, well, I couldn't be bothered going and look it up. Next morning, sure enough, uh, Wendy Brown, <laughs> what... It was the name of the first dog that was sent into space. I go, well, I don't know. You didn't tell me. <laughs> I asked you, and then he go, well, that's not, uh, that's not good enough. Please try and pay attention. And my father, well, as a literary character, the closest I can think of is a female version of Agatha Trunchbull <laughs> without the chokey or the chocolate cake, Professor Severus Snape from Harry Potter and Yoda. <laughs> he was a very annoying person, but yeah, no, it's up. He didn't really read literature. He read encyclopedias. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I forgot about that until you said it. But we did have a set. Uh, but my dad bought the encyclopedia set. But he only, you know, it would come in like moments. So we got A to F. Pop hot. That's right. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you got A to F, and then I guess I didn't find out so much. You know, years and years later, he just couldn't afford it anymore, so he didn't buy anymore. <laughs> but I'd say, oh, we've only got A to F, and he says, well, when you're done reading all those, let me know, and I'll get the next one. <laughs> because yeah, Angela's parents were the same. They only had up to H, so they decided to be yeah. fascinated by Hitler. Oh, <laughs> but of course, it was a big thing, door-to-door encyclopedia salesmen. Yeah. Of course. But based on my encyclopedias, World War II never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Now, Wendy Harmer, could you get that hat of mine? Inside oh, yes. the hat are yes. folded up pieces of paper uh-huh. with some of the books written by authors who are at the Blue Mountains Writers' well, Festival. Well, I am going to hold I, the hat. I want you to, my friend, uh, Ange, will pick Love one. Pierre. And Tommy is going to do... Tommy's a very literary guy. He's, I've read everything it, published ever. Yeah. He's read all the books at the festival. As so, long as... It up with to, the exception uh, of H to Z. Hey, I was going to say. So whichever book comes up... 
Tommy will have read it and be able to give us a beautiful pracy of what this book is about. This is exciting. Okay, what is the book? I've chosen one. What is the book? Uh, I've rummaged thoroughly and I found Fishing for Lightning. Fishing for Lightning. Fishing for Lightning. Uh, This was written by... uh, The author's name escapes me at the moment. Um... (laughs) And Google. Well, there's so many. The problem is uh, writers like comics, they just keep coming. Um, it's hard to keep up with names after names after names. My guess is initial, initial, last name. Do you want a slight hint? That's the way of the... Uh, the uh, this was written by uh, T. Jaguar. <laughs> no. That's the title of the book. Oh, what? <laughs> Sarah Holland Bat. Yes. Bat? Who's going to be on... Just a little later. Sarah the back. Is so, she in the room, by the yeah, way? Yeah, she is. So could, just Sarah, keep... could you please leave? This is going to be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Spock Sarah Hollenbach. First ears. off, yeah, first, I'm excited. Uh, uh, fishing for lightning is... Well, first off, it's a, it's a miracle <laughs> that she survived. <laughs> I mean, that's the first reality. This is uh, based on uh, one of the authors for the first memories. It's like a book about first memories, uh, where she has talked to a variety of people who have done some crazy things in their lives. And one of her first memories uh, was being in water during a lightning storm with a metal rod. (laughs) And she survived. That's the happy part. She survived, and the smell she remembers was like barbecued octopus. <laughs> and that's, and that's, so it's been with her all of her life, uh, the fishing for lightning. But then, you know, the story itself, you know, sort of skews off. So that's, you know, like the formidable moment uh, for the child. Uh, but then, uh, you know, our protagonist, uh, her name is uh, Bartholomew. <laughs> what? Well, the Bartholomew J. Uh, Frankenpenny. Oh, <laughs> Might. Yeah, uh, she just goes by Frank. Yeah, okay. Nice yeah, most people that. call her Frank. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. yeah cause, cause, you know, you know, Was she injured in any way in this um, incident? Oh, mentally, horribly. <laughs> oh, it tore her apart. The, the whole thing is, is psychological horror. Yeah, okay. Would you recommend it for what age group? Oh, this is, uh, this is young adult. <laughs> I'm so glad you clarified, Tommy, because I was getting um, I was getting it mixed up with the book that's about when you can't find the little cable that connects your <laughs> iPhone to the stereo and you search. Yeah, for yeah, it. that's a, yeah, yeah. Or is that it? Yeah, it's about. It's that not too. a tech manual. No, no. Well, yeah. well, if you find that one, please let me know because mm. oh, I am okay. missing that. Well, she wrote. A, she uh, Sarah also wrote a like a response uh, to uh, some of Shakespeare's plays, and she's got one USB or not to USB. Oh! <laughs> Um, is, is this illustrated, this book? No, what's fun about it is not illustrated. I don't, I don't think that's the proper publishing term for it. It is, I believe, a pop-up book. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, which is quite exciting as well. Not the entire book. It's just the last, the last third. So like, for like the first two-thirds of the book, you're like, you're like oh, like you're taken with Bartholomew's like, childhood and the way that you know, mentally she gets discombobulated by the lightning flash. And then, and then, like, in the middle chapter, she is, like, we pick her up in the university years where it all starts to make sense to her. And then, unfortunately, she falls in with the wrong crowd, and she starts to lose it as she comes out of university. And then in the last section, it all sort of comes back to her, and that's where the pop-up comes. And like, by the time you get to the last chapter, like, it pops up. You're like, whoa! And it all makes sense. 
It's so good. Has it been translated into any other languages, do you know? Well, not languages. It's in French Braille. <laughs> which I realise is very specific. Mm. But... Um, Would Angie's family be able to read it? Oh, of course. As Lavoie Pierre's? Yeah. yeah. Assuming. Okay, cool. You can give it to it your parents for Christmas. Unless it's about World War II, it's absolutely not required. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's part of a trilogy. Oh, yeah. What are the other yeah, two I mean, titles? Uh, the second one is uh, uh, Chips in a Hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, uh, and, the, and the, the concluding, uh, uh, which hasn't been written yet, she's still working on it, is but it I believe well, no, well, the, working, the working title is Tartar for Everyone. All right. Not... Um, <laughs> Roller skating during a light breeze? No. Something no. like that? No. No. Fishing for lightning. Well, the pro- it used to be called kiting for lightning, and then, and then the Benjamin Franklin Library started to sue her. <laughs> uh, so she made some adjustments. Uh-huh. Um, but, but I give it, uh, I give it, I give it five out of five. Yeah. Like, for, like mostly just because the pop-up is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> five stars for Sarah Holland Bat, and for Tommy, does he live or does he oh. die? Oh, so good. He lives! Well, thank God it's Friday. And Sarah Holland Bad is going to be with us after the news <laughs> to talk I, about well, her experience. She if she's not hitchhiking to Falconbridge by now, that is. <laughs> well, she's from Falconbridge. Very few people go to Falconbridge. Uh, <laughs> was it? What's it uh, was I close? I was close, wasn't I? Yeah, well, she's a, she's a, a great Australian poet and a great, great world poet, really. And that book, this is her new book of poetry, but that's a book about poetry. And she describes the process of writing poetry. As what did I say? Madness. <laughs> I said, hit by lightning, has mental problems, goes to college, sorts shit out. That's poetry in a nutshell. Yeah. It's, it's broadly accurate, as we will find out yeah. after yeah. the news. Plus, Win- plus third degree burns. Winners and losers of the week. Who were they? Quickly, Ange. Uh, my winners were the kid that won school in Kalgoorlie where they've put chickens in the school to help uh, school attendance, and it's working. So they're going to school to hang out with the chooks. Uh, and my losers were any inhabitants of Jupiter's moon Io. We've got pictures of it, and there are a lot of volcanoes, and they spew lava a kilometre into the air, and it just seemed very unpleasant. Wendy, winners and losers? Well, I think the winners and losers of the week are um, uh, the elite, depending on which side of the yes votes you are on. Uh, You're either Gina Reinhart or inner-city voters who drive Teslas. (laughs) Okay, so you're an elite. You're either one or you're lost. Who knows? It's a bit enigmatic. And the other? Uh, I feel like the great loser was uh, Sara Lee. Uh, Oh, yes, you've heard of I have long argued that Sara Lee ice cream is the best ice cream in this country, and I'm hoping that somehow they figure out how to hold on to it. It was the only ice cream that actually was good. It was the only one that melted like cream over crumble. It was an ideal product. Everything else, have no idea, but they're... Rocky Road, unbelievable. French vanilla, amazing. Please, Sara Lee, please. Somebody buy Sara Lee. Uh, I agree, uh, but do you think the ice cream is of sufficient quality that it could m- improve, I don't know, a pear? There is nothing. <laughs> nothing that can improve a pear. Please thank Wendy Hammer, Tommy Dean and Angela Boisier. Oh, yeah. Thanks for being part of Thank God It's Friday for the next few weeks. The best of TGIF, live at various festivals across the state, featuring Wendy Harmer, Gene Kitson, Dane Simpson, Luke Heggie, Carlo Ritchie and Colin Buchanan. Until then, I'm Richard Glover. And live from the Carrington, thank God it's Friday! Hope you didn't.